Seinfeld, the lip reader is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of podcast about nothing. And now, here are two of the finest ball men around. I am Rob Sestrino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? We are, uh, we're, uh, gr- we're BLs. We're beautiful, yeah. uh, <laughs> we're BPs. We're beautiful podcasters. <laughs> Yes, talking about the lip reader. Lots of stuff going on as Marley Matlin, the celebrity apprentice, great. She didn't bring Jack the interpreter with her. Instead, she had Kramer in this episode where she plays Jerry's love interest, who they get to lip read about a woman, Gwen, who broke up with George at a party and Elaine pretends to be deaf in a town car so she doesn't have to talk to the car driver. So a lot going on here in the lip reader. Uh, yeah, the first thing that really comes to mind is we complained a lot in like season one and two about like the, the poor quality of the guests. Yes. And I really feel like here all the guests were really good. Yeah, everybody is good here in the lip reader. The sixth episode of season five from October 28th, 1993. So Akiva, you ready? You ready to talk lip reading? Uh, yeah, I am ready. I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, you thought of this episode. Now, I did enjoy this one. I feel like after a, a couple that I really were not really crazy about, or I felt like after last week's The Briss, which I wasn't crazy about, I felt like uh, the lip reader was a pretty strong outing. Yeah, the, the quality really wa- uh, varies wildly in the first half, season five. You have the, the lip reader, and we like the sniffing counting, but it's certainly not a classic. Uh, you know, and there's a couple more down episodes, nothing like The Briss, but, you know, and then we'll reach really high highs soon also, so. Yeah, we're all over the map in season five. I feel like this is a pretty well constructed episode in terms of things tying in together and things like big moments happening in terms of that. There's a couple of different things that are pretty memorable things from this episode. So I think overall, I'm very happy with the lip reader. Yeah, I can't complain. All right. Akiva, do you have any Seinfeld news before we jump into talking about the lip reader? Sure. So this is a, a little bit of a strange story, but most of the stories in the New York Post have no real rhyme or reason. But uh, here it goes. Um, Americans believe that scientists will find the cure for cancer before Seinfeld reruns ever go off the air. A new poll revealed on Tuesday. Okay. And I, I have no idea why these two things were compared against each other, but it's the New York Post. Given a choice of five possible future events that will happen first, 41% of respondents uh, to the poll picked a cure for cancer. That's going to happen first of these five things. 24% said Seinfeld would go off the air. 21% said soccer would become more popular than football in America. Wow. Well, that's... Yeah, I feel like uh, that should be 0%. Uh, and I like soccer. Uh, peace on Earth, uh, 7%. And time travel, 6%. All right, we'll just stop it with this stuff. With it, like, <laughs> uh, stop with time travel. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like time travel... Well, what's more likely, time travel or soccer becoming more popular than the NFL? <laughs> time travel. Time travel. So <laughs> soccer overtaking the NFL is fifth. Well, you know, you'd have to paint the scenario if you're going to figure that out. It's like the NFL just like collapses. It's not like, oh, soccer becomes so incredibly popular that instead of a Super Bowl party, we're having like a, you know, a World Cup party and people just go goo goo gaga for soccer. It's like football implodes. 
that concussions, Goodell, Deflategate, oh, scandals. So even college football has gone too. Like they'd have to like come out with some research where it's like, oh my god, this concussion is stuff is worse than we thought. If you are even playing football, and that a hundred percent of football players have debilitating. Brain what injuries. about if watching football gives you a debilitating injury? <laughs> yeah, it would have to be like the like uh, all of these scandals would have to just you know come to a head and and have to get banned. Like Congress would have to ban right, it. Right, they'd have to just shut it down. And then at that point, then you know soccer is able to sort of capitalize on uh, this lack of football on Sundays. But still more likely than time travel. Less still likely more likely. <laughs> I'd say you'd say world peace would be three. Boy, what am I ranking? I'm ranking soccer becomes more popular than the NFL world peace and time travel. And uh, and cancer being completely eradicated. Cancer being eradicated is number one. I think that's the most likely to happen. Sure. Yeah, that could happen in 20 years. Sure. Yeah. And then I feel like. uh... I mean, Seinfeld going off the air. It's it's, you know, who knows how long like broadcast TV has left. Yeah, that's true. I feel like the fall of broadcast TV. I feel like there'll be. I mean, there's still cable, though. I mean, are we right. ten years away from the end of broadcast of of there being like cable? Hopefully, hopefully not for your sake. Not ten years. <laughs> hopefully, well, like twenty five. Well, I'm saying like things moving to like a Netflix distribution. Uh-huh. Like, is everything like just video on demand on the internet? And in that right. case, does that count still for Seinfeld? I uh, yeah, I think at that point it's off the air. Okay. Well, that would really be the fall of television. Until the fall of television happens, not fall television, I think that Seinfeld is there riding out television, and I think it will always continue to exist on a on-demand basis. It'll be sad, but I think it'll happen one day. Yeah, and I do think that that could probably happen before a cure to cancer is found, but I think those two are probably neck and neck. <laughs> I don't know where they picked those five things from. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that being said, Akiva, any other Seinfeld news? Uh, sure. Uh, Jason Alexander. Uh, he joined Grinder. Oh, why did he uh, do that? Not there's anything wrong with that, but uh, Fox has upcoming sitcom called Grinder. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> with Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. Yes, uh, they added uh, Jason Alexander. <laughs> Good. What do you think I was talking about? They're talking about like the. Uh, homosexual equivalent of tinder right right yeah right although to be fair i believe grinder came way before tinder so tinder is just the heterosexual equivalent of grinder i think okay so have it backwards <laughs> but that being said okay yeah i saw a billboard for that the other day that fred savage and uh, rob Lowe. i thought fred savage was on the other side of the camera that he was directing stuff yeah i mean i guess he's a he's a he's a multi uh he's a multi-cam guy he's a multi i don't know what what fox would you know variety they have all those weird words for like what people do mm-hmm Sure. He's like a hel- he's like a Helmer, but he's also behind the he's also a thespian. A quadruple threat. Yeah. He's he's going for the EGOT. <laughs> sure. All right, you ready for a Seinfeld trivia question? Sure. In the apology, Akiva, what did Jerry's girlfriend wear during their Scrabble game? Uh nothing. Yeah. That's right. It was, it was bad naked. <laughs> Even during Scrabble was bad naked? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you have to, like, stretch over a lot to put one of the pieces in, that's probably not great naked. Yeah, I don't think what, If bad. a piece falls down, that's bad naked. <laughs> that's bad also. 
<laughs> All right. So let's get into talking about the lip reader. As we mentioned from October 28th, 1993, we open up with Jerry's stand up talking about professional tennis has a lot of shushing. Why do they have to shush all the time? Yeah. And it's one of these things where like maybe Jerry came up with this first, but it's at this point it's been done a thousand times. And then he talks about the scoring system in tennis, which as we all know is wacky. I used to try to play tennis, Akiva, like a year or two ago. You used to try to play tennis a year or two ago? Yes, I took tennis lessons. used to go and play like on a... From Milos? Not from Milos, no. From a different guy. Uh, And how are you? good. How are you? Do you think you could beat... No. Do you think you could beat me? I have no idea what your skill level is. I, I don't think I could beat anybody. I think I could beat like some kids. You could beat some kids. I could beat like some kids or like elderly people that don't play tennis. With golf, they have like very clearly delineated handicaps. You know, yeah. like I'm a 15. I'm, I don't know what they mean, but they have them. I, they do have some system with tennis, but it's much more like obscure. But it would be much easier. At one point, I was approaching kind of decent. And then, you know, I haven't played in at least a year and a half. Well, the first question I'll always ask, someone's like, hey, do you want to play tennis? I'll say, like, do serve overhand. Because if they don't, I know, like, okay, that's a sign they stink. That's, yeah. like, already the non-starter. <laughs> that was so, something that was taught in my lessons. So you know how to serve? Yes. I took, I took, and then my, my second question on the flip side will be, can you hit a serve for an ace? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, I guess if the person that was, was really terrible that I was playing against. Right, no, not against, like, your son, but, right. like, against the... Like a person, like a person who knows that it would be unlikely. It would okay. be unlikely. So that, I mean, obviously, that's a wide range, but those are always the two questions I ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact so, that you have those questions speaks to you're probably a lot better than I. Am. <laughs> Just that I know those questions. Yeah, yeah. Those are your I, but life. I'm also like, I'm a horrible athlete. You have to factor that into the mm. equation. I was yeah. on my high school tennis team, but I think, I think that you know, I just showed up to the tryouts. I think mm. that's probably why I made it. <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll see. Although I did play, I did play at this very uh, U.S. Open site. That's where our home matches were. Oh wow! Yeah, that. I, that's. I, I believe the team has been canceled mostly because it was probably really expensive to rent out like a couple courts at the U.S. Open. Okay, so that wasn't one of the options with time travel and cure for cancer. Of <laughs> what the Kivas tennis team continuing what? to exist? Uh, actually, speaking of tennis scoring, our team name was the Lovers. Oh. It was. It was not a, the the school. It was an official school team, but the school did not like because it was like a religious school. The school did not like the team name, so we had to like all our like merch, like our pants and our shirts. We had to like give them. The captain would have to like go to the parking lot. We weren't allowed to bring him into the school. We wow, have to, like, that give was them a controversial name. Even, it lovers. was an official school team, but the, the name was unofficial. Yeah. All right. So Akiva Jerry's also talking about that same scoring system of thirty love. He talks about. He says that 30 love, what is that? Like a British call girl? Oh boy. <laughs> I also like when he says that uh, tennis is like ping pong, but you're standing on the table. That's a good line. You like that? Okay. So let's get into the episode. And here we are at the U.S. Open. Now, this episode takes place in October. Isn't that a bit late for U.S. Open? Yeah, I was thinking like they tried, they probably, I don't know, like maybe they, they were it's watching U.S. Open. For us. Yeah, I feel like U.S. Open yeah, just perfect time for us, right? The U.S. Open just ended on Sunday. Yeah. We really almost, we almost had it, uh, you know, going on at the same time. I think 
they were probably watching the U.S. Open and like, ooh, that would be a good episode. And then they wrote it quickly. Is that what they did? That's my guess. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a clunky way to get into some of this stuff. Like the fact that we had Laura, who is played by Marley Matlin. She is a line judge at the U.S. Open. That really doesn't play into her character at all. Like the fact that she is a deaf person, like it's like Jerry could have like met her on the subway. It really didn't have anything to do with other than she got Kramer an audition to be a ball boy. Right. I th- right. She right. She could have been in the stands. She could have met him elsewhere. But right. It just cut it cut down the middleman for that little Kramer thing that he, you know, had a in to get the uh, the tryout. And they needed to be at the U.S. Open for George to eat the banana split. Yeah. And it's a nice setting for like it's certainly a different setting for an episode. Yeah. Anyway, so there they are. Jerry and George are at the U.S. Open and no mention of why they're there or anything like that. It seems kind of odd that neither of these guys, we never hear them talk about tennis other than with uh, Milos in terms of watching the U.S. Open, but they're there. And it's not like, hey, we got these great tickets from so-and-so to go to the U.S. Open, right? Well, Kramer mentions that his friend Pete has like some sort of ticket hookup and he could get any ticket. But he says that in the apartment and like they don't know about it at the time. So clearly yeah. that's not where these tickets came from. Maybe the next ones. You would think that Kramer, if he had something to do with this, would have been there with him. Right. Unless he just has no interest in going to the US Open. Unless he was he's watching it. Good point. Yeah, but <laughs> he's Kramer. I don't like, know. When he's, does Kramer not want to do something? He's a come with guy. He is a come with. Uh, yeah. So I don't I mean, I guess it's just the thing. You never went to the US Open when you lived in New York. No. I went all the time and I, I discussed sneaking into the US Open on one of the first episodes of this podcast. Wow. But, but uh, I, I can tell all my stories again. I don't think you remember them. <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like my wife. <laughs> um, but in terms of uh, what a rebellious uh, rascal you were, sneaking into the US Open, making illicit names for tennis teams. No, I didn't make the name. I, I was just on the team. But yeah, we snuck in. It was it was seven days before nine eleven, so it's not something you could have done afterwards. But uh, yeah, my friend uh, uh, who now works prominently in politics uh, had a great idea. Anthony Weiner. Uh, Anthony Weiner. No, he. Uh, I won't. I won't say who he works for. But uh, um, he. What's it called? Eric he, Trump. We, we bought people's. <laughs> Eric Trump is in politics. <laughs> it was. We, we we bought um, two ladies uh, ticket stubs from them for five dollars. And then we went to the um, like the player's entrance. And he said, just like, yell. my friend said to me, like, yell at me and act, like call me an idiot. So I like started calling him an idiot. And he went over to the security guard and he said, uh, like, we we just left to get our um, like water bottles or something. And we uh, we didn't get our hands stamped. And the guy's like, OK. And he just stamped our hands and let us in. Wow. Because we had stuff. We had stubs. Like, why would we have? Why at like one minute after it started, would we have stubs if yeah. not for, you know, so they let us in. I don't think we could have done it probably a week later, but at that point they weren't, the security wasn't so strict. Okay. All right. So we're talking about the sunblock there and George doesn't want Jerry's SPF 25. I feel like that George is pretty ahead of the curve for 93 to be wanting the uh, higher than 25 sunblock. Yeah. And he's talking about like Bodo or Pato or Papa. Yeah, I don't Papa even I've never heard of this stuff. Yeah, I don't even know what I don't hear much about Papa and what it actually is. I think that Papa was much more popular in Hammer Time. I guess so. Yeah, I see an article on Livestrong about what is Papa in sunscreen. 
and it's a short for para-aminobenzoic acid, one of the uh, first sunblocks that became available for purchase uh, in the 70s. But now PABA is rarely used as a sunscreen ingredient. Yeah, George uh, was on the cutting edge. (laughs) Yeah. All right. The cons of PABA are that it causes allergic reactions in a percentage of people. And it also stains clothing. Uh, Thanks for the info, Live Strong. (laughs) I I thought Live Strong would be shut down after the whole Lance Armstrong thing. Well, this is an article from 2013. But I believe it does continue to live strong. I feel like the bracelets aren't doing as well as they once were, probably. Probably not. But the website is still... It's still, uh, still kicking. Their, their new spokesman, Steve Renazisi, has really uh, been you know, a big help for the company. So we then hear from George about, oh, Todd's party. Are you going to Todd's party? And George is bringing a date to the party. Who is Todd? Who is Todd? How does everybody know him? He's a guy we never see again. I really don't like that every episode in season five, they just bring us a new friend who's like, oh, it's an obligation to go to their party. And then, right, we never, we haven't heard of them before, and we never see them again. And he does not look like a super cool guy that everybody would be friends with, right? Right, and he and he's not married, right? Because he's he's doing the whole sweep sleep thing later. Yeah, you know, he, like he lives. It's not clear where he lives. I guess maybe out on the island or in Westchester or something. Some place where they have to drive to. Yeah, I mean, could you describe Todd's appearance? Uh, you know, I'm not good with that stuff, but like a little nebby, like a little nerdy, right? Yeah, and it seems like he's wearing a hairpiece, no? Yeah, he might have a piece. <laughs> I, he's not the type of guy they'd be friends with. I don't and know. Like at least, at least with the Briss people, like they mentioned them in the previous episode, there was, you know, some rhyme or reason why they were there and they were godparents. Yeah. But here it's just like, you know, they, they could have, I guess it's cheaper to have, you know, like just whoever they want, you know, come in one time than to have the same roster of like two or three friends whose houses they're going to he's not a guy like the drake where it's like oh he's so fun and whatever it's just like oh it's todd we have to go to todd's party uh yeah yeah you gotta hate the todd gotta hate the todd first of all check out todd's picture on imdb wow todd uh time has been uh uh kind or unkind (laughs) uh let's just say uh he didn't time travel back to the 80s for his uh for his look right now Okay, so what is what is the actor who plays Todd's name? Jerry Soroka. Not a lot of uh, vowels. S-R-O-K-A. I know he does not have his own page on Wikipedia. How many Twitter followers does he have? Oh, I, I, it's funny because I checked some of the... I checked, uh, I checked the cab driver, I think, at 75. Yeah. And, um, and uh, George's girlfriend has like 400, but I didn't check Todd. I didn't know we'd get into so much Todd talk. Okay, yeah, so Todd, there he is. Yeah, he, like, Todd got real old. Really old, fast yeah he, he looks, looks too old to even have a twitter page <laughs> but anyway so they're talking about that oh i'm gonna bring my girlfriend to this and jerry's like what you can't bring a girl to todd's party because you know you want to be around mingling i didn't know todd's party so happening you want to talk to all these people yeah by the way 34 uh followers but no tweets so that's unfair but anyway, so Jerry says there's nobody that you would want to bring to a party. You always want to be there and being able to talk to people. You don't want to bring J. Edgar Hoover to a party. And George asks him, why did you pick J. Edgar Hoover? And Jerry says it's because between the cross-dressing and the law enforcement, that would be a very interesting person to talk to. Akiva, who would be your one J. Edgar Hoover most interesting person? Oh, Larry David. Larry David would be the person. I mean, he'd complain about the party the whole time, but he'd be funny. 
Yeah. That would be a pretty by the way, good way. J- by the way, Todd, Jerry Sroka, if you're 5'4", don't put it on your resume on your website. <laughs> he's probably 5'2". Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If he writes he's 5'4", he's not 5'4". Well, who's your guy? Who's your party guy? Well, yeah, that would be a really good one. Now, do you want somebody that you want to distract all the attention away from you? Yeah, I don't want any attention at the party. Because if you go to the, the party, party with Larry David, he's probably, there's a million other people he's going to talk to instead of you. Mm, yeah, but let's say he hates everyone there and like he's, it's like a make-a-wish thing. How do you know he's going to like you? He'll just complain about me the whole time. It'll be funny at least. <laughs> It'll be like you're getting roasted? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be there. You know Larry doesn't want to be there. I'm sure you don't want, like, you don't like parties either, right? No. I mean, you, do you even know, like, do you get invited to parties that you even have an opinion <laughs> on them? I see I haven't been invited to uh, any ones that I think are maybe I would like like to be invited. You like, would like to be invited. Like to be invited, but you know, it's a lot. You gotta like happening. you gotta get a babysitter, and then you go like you don't know who's gonna be there, and you have to make small talk with a lot of people. Yeah, I, I like the idea worth. of a party where I knew everybody. Sure, of course, like, if you oh, know I anybody, get to everybody. see everybody in one shot. Yeah, but that's more like hanging out with your friends. This is like you're invited because you know Todd. But the other guests, you're not going to know. Yeah, it sounds terrible. Like if it's a party of people like my wife knows, no, this sounds not so good. And then the host is like busy because they have to entertain everybody. They know everyone there. Mm-hmm. So now the one person you know is like occupied. So you could either like latch on to them and they don't want you there. Yeah. Or you're just like stuck with the, you know, the the dip and the carrots in the corner. Yeah. I mean, it's excruciating. And we, we haven't been to anything recently because we have a baby. But I can remember like going to like parties for like, people that my wife works with having a Halloween party or like a St. Patrick's day party. And it's like, you can't even like get drunk because you know, I'm the one I have to drive the car. So I'm just like sitting there just like, waiting. why are you the designated driver? Oh, cause it's my wife's friends. Like uh, she, oh, so wants- she gets to drink with her friends. Yeah. So in theory, if you had friends and you went to the party, you'd get to drink and she'd be the driver? No, because I would still have to say like, oh, honey, could you come to this party with my friends? And, you know, at least you can have fun. You could have fun. Like it, it wouldn't. There's no scenario where it works out that way. Yeah, this sounds awful. I just let's avoid parties altogether. <laughs> let's avoid them. It's OK. I don't have any friends to invite me to any. So it's fine. But anyway, that being said. So Jerry is very taken with the line judge we will come to know as Laura. The BL. Yes, the beautiful lines woman. So there she is. Very taken with Marley Matlin. And she's a, she's a good looking lady, Marley Matlin. Yeah. There's a, there's a great joke. Uh, she did the uh, Donald Trump roast. The future president, perhaps. Yeah. Well, by the way, <laughs> if Donald Trump ends up being president, the Comedy Central roast, I feel like that's, uh, you know, like not, not a lot of presidents have been roasted. Boy, that is a wacky order of things to have happened of that. There could be a president that has had a Comedy Central roast. Think about right, that like Bill Clinton second. could have one in like five years from now if his wife's not president. Yeah, but I usually think... it's when your star is declining, like Justin Bieber had it like but not at his apex. I don't know if, <laughs> you know, Bill Clinton Wants to sit there while, like, you know, Anthony Jeselnik makes Monica Lewinsky jokes, uh, you know, in front of him. I, I'm not sure he's necessarily. He, he, here's up the for thing that. Hillary, people always say that, like, you know, they only didn't get divorced for, like, political reasons. So let's say Hillary doesn't become president. And at this point, like, okay, she's never running for office again because she's 68 or whatever, or, you know, the next election. 
Okay, I'm so, following you. So let's say they get divorced. I'm not rooting for this to happen, but let's say they do. I think at that point, Bill's a real free agent. And he wants to go do the Comedy Central roast? They offer like $2 million for his foundation. He loves the foundation. Why he, not? He's getting he's a good sport. $2 million to go speak somewhere where people aren't yeah, making he gets fun like of him million. on basic cable. I feel like he, he likes a good time. I, I, I feel like maybe, he get, may, you know, maybe he'll be, become like a Betty White. Like in his 80s, he'll be up for anything. Look, I don't get invited to parties. Maybe you don't get invited to parties. Bill Clinton's being invited to parties. And, and single Bill Clinton is being invited to uh, much better parties than the Comedy Central roast <laughs> where they're going to make fun of him and talk about his legacy. I mean, he doesn't even talk about those things. Why is he going to sit there and be roasted by, you know, B-list comedians? Well, everybody gets one thing. Uh, I said this when we did the roast podcast. Everyone gets like one thing that they're allowed to say like, oh, that's off limits. Like Joan Rivers had Melissa Rivers. That was off limits, right? And like William Shatner had his wife drowning in the pool and that's kind of mysterious and you want to let a joke about that. And Donald Trump had you're not allowed to you're not allowed to make fun of how much money he had. You weren't allowed to imply that he has less money than he claims he does. <laughs> right. So anyway, the Donald Trump rose. So Marley Matlin's there. My, there was a lot of good jokes about her. She's a very good sport. Yeah. But my favorite joke was uh, Anthony Jeselnik, the aforementioned, uh, said to Marley Matlin, Marley Matlin, you've had a great career. Despite having the biggest handicap an actress can possess, you're ugly. Oh, come on. <laughs> She's a BL. Yeah, she is a BL. But I mean, first of all, this was uh, 20 years later, but she's still a she's still a, a B.R. Beautiful roaster. Not the B.R. rules. No. <laughs> OK, so we see Elaine at work and she's talking to a coworker about how the Lexington line is out and she has to go to the car service who hates the car service and prefers the subway is really what a crazy person would say. <laughs> yeah. Like our oh. services are the best thing about having like a nice job in Manhattan. Yeah. And so Elaine doesn't want to go in the car with the guy with the driver because she has to talk to the person. It always has to be a social thing. Elaine would have preferred a stagecoach because the driver is on the outside and you're in the back. Would you have preferred a stagecoach for anything, Akiva? Yeah, I really don't like I, I get where she's uh doesn't like the idea that you have to talk to the driver because I'd say one out of every five drivers will be very chatty. Um, and like sometimes I, you know, when I, the, the rare times I did have a car service, like I didn't, I usually was very tired. I was either on the way to work or from work and I didn't want to talk. And like, if mm-hmm. they speak, you know, you feel really bad. They know where you live. They picked you up from your house or they're driving you to your house. Yeah. I don't know. I, in some ways I would almost prefer the person is wants to talk because I kind of feel like then it's like the burden is on me to decide if there's talking or not talking. Well, it's really weird if you're like uh, in like a chatty mood and the other guy's like not, you know, he's on his phone. He's not having it. He's not interested in talking to you. I kind of feel like it's up to me now to start small talk about like, uh, like, so is busy today. What's going on? But you're a very good small talker. Not everybody's interested in the small talk. <laughs> yeah. I just like especially if it's like an Uber or something where they're going to rate you after the fact. Well, that really has, you know, that has I feel like that's like a modern Seinfeld type episode, but Game that change. really has thrown a wrench into the like stop talking to me cab driver type thing. <laughs> like you're now you're on their terms. But I guess yeah. in theory they should be on your terms too, right? <laughs> you would think so because you're going to rate them as well, but I don't know. Very it's very difficult. So 
We see George. He gets the banana split. We're going to come back to him in a little bit. Kramer is at home watching the U.S. Open. And uh, we see the camera pick up George eating the banana split. And he has it like all over his face. Is that Larry David as one of the announcers? Yeah, Larry David is the color guy. I, I, so here I, ca- I caught something. Uh, I don't think anybody's ever caught this before because who would care? Okay. Okay. So they, the camera pans to Kramer. And he's watching the U.S. Open in Jerry's apartment, because what else would you be doing in the middle of the day? Fine. And the announcer, not Larry, but whoever the other announcer says, uh, okay, this uh, something Baudon has beaten Mary Pierce, uh, you know, at, at the U.S. Open. And then they pan to like, oh, here's a guy eating ice cream, blah, 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 blah. And for, because I'm pathetic, I Googled and said, is that a real like result or... Or, you know, are they just making up like are they you did they did they use like real footage because it looks professional. Right. Or are they or did they like, have you know, did they just make their own graphic before the announcers came in? Mm -hmm. Okay, so what would you think? I think that they probably made up their own. Right. So here's the weird thing. That match between the very obscure um, Italian uh, player and Mary Pierce, who was like a well-known player back then, was a real match. Except in Seinfeld, this Natalie Baudone won the match, but in real life, Mary Pierce won the match. So now, why are they making a fake, like a real match, but changing the result? Now, I don't know. <laughs> I know that uh, literally zero people care besides me, but I, I thought that was weird. Oh, that's pretty wacky. All right. Maybe, maybe like because we said like they were writing this episode when the U.S. Open came out. Maybe they saw like the draw, like here's who's going to play. And they sort of like, OK, then we'll use this matchup. And they like made up a fake score. And then, uh, you know, and then they just didn't get the score right. Yeah. In terms of the burn that the announcer uses to zing George says about him. Hey, buddy, they've got a new invention. It's called a napkin. Right. That's LD. Uh, that's clearly LD doing like a wacky announcer voice. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we go back to Elaine and the driver is talking to her and uh, the guy is making this conversation talking about how, you know what I do when I like to relax and, and he likes to jumble instead of reading a book. You like to jumble Akiva? I feel like the jumble had its day. I feel like Sudoku kind of crushed the jumble. Yeah, um, but I'm a crossword puzzle guy myself. What about you? Boy, crossword is really tough. I actually like the jumble because I feel like I can blow through it. I was never good with anything puzzle based. <laughs> like any any <laughs> sort of crossword. Crossword is much harder. No, crossword, than crossword puzzle is not really a puzzle. Like uh, it, it's a different skill set. Wow, because it's trivia. Yeah, it's, it's, I I like it as as trivia. Right, it's not a. Uh, I, I can't do like a 30 piece puzzle even in real life. Like I don't have those sort of skills. 30 piece. I mean, I could do a 30, but if like me and my six year old each did like a 50 piece puzzle as a race, I think she would beat me. Okay. All right. So we ended up with Elaine talking to the guy and she ends up saying that she's having trouble hearing him. So the guy just starts talking louder. And then eventually she says, Oh, I'm losing my hearing. And then uh, the guy's sort of like, okay, well, he's not going to give up that easily because he says, well, what about hearing aids? And she says, oh, am I fearing AIDS? (laughs) She's like, sure. I mean, who is it? But you got to live your life. 
Yeah, I do. I, this is a great scene. And so yeah. then finally, the guy just gives up. And Elaine is like, she's won. She did it. To the victor go the spoils. She did it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So George comes back to talk to Jerry. And Jerry's just going on and on about the BL. And he is smitten. He needs to go talk to her. He's just going to go talk to her. And George is like, what? You're going to be one of those guys? You're going to just go talk to a woman? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like a whole separate team. Mm. You're not one of those guys, right? I mean, I can't remember uh, the last time I... <laughs> I, mean, I have to go back uh, way back to think of the last time I approached a woman in that sort of way. Like, now I don't care. Now it's like, whatever, I don't care. Um, you know, to go up and talk to anybody because it's not like I'm picking people up just in uh, case no, I, my wife no. listens to these podcasts. Right. I'm just kidding. My wife you don't have to say just in case. Podcasts. Yeah. Um, but that being said, yeah, I feel like that's very tough to do without an in. I mean, Jerry's a celebrity. He shouldn't be so nervous about this. And he's nervous about it. But then he's going to go and be one of those people. George says, take me with you. I want to be <laughs> one of those people too. He wants to join the dark side. Yes. And so George asks, what are you going to say to her? He's like, I guess I'm just going to say hi. And George scoffs and says, you think you're going to the other side with hi? You need like a catchy pickup line. I think you need like a catchy pickup line. You could also have like, you need an icebreaker. Like uh, you could have like some sort of like a weird object or something like that. Like some sort of thing that just like starts a conversation. You can't do like some match, huh? That'd be tough to do. That's a tough opener. A tough opener. Not a U.S. opener, I don't think. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's more like a Wimbledoner. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be Wimbledoner if you try that. All right. So we end up with Elaine back in the car, and she is sitting there as the driver is getting a call from the radio tower that's like, uh, all right, the next person you're picking up is uh, Tom Hanks. And Elaine is like, oh, my God, Tom Hanks? is going to be in the car next to me. And the guy immediately is like, oh, I thought you were deaf. Uh, yeah, she just has temper. She had a temporary uh, hearing. Yeah, the guy says, oh, so I guess your hearing goes in and out. Very unsmooth of Elaine. <laughs> and he really dresses Elaine down. He's like, God forbid you should talk to the driver. He says that Tom Hanks would be disgusted by your behavior. <laughs> I love that. There's no way that they would ever tell a driver like, oh, you're picking up Tom Hanks, right? They would be like a code name or something. <laughs> they wouldn't say not. it across like all the radios of all the cars. Yeah. We need some sort of like a uh, car driver person in terms of like somebody who's like driven at least an Uber or a taxi to, you know, be on our roster of people we can go to for questions like this. Yeah, we need a new, we need an Uber expert. I feel like now that people can do Uber part time, it's more likely that we have one in our squad. Yeah. All right. So Jerry goes up to the woman, Laura, and he starts with his whole spiel. And it seems like she's ignoring him and he's getting more and more upset. And then finally she turns around and he says, oh, now you turn around. What are you, deaf? And she said, bingo. Yeah, she has really good timing, Marley Matlin, also in this episode. Yeah. I mean, she she won an Academy Award, I think, prior to uh, Seinfeld. Can I tell you the other joke I remember from Anthony Jeselnik? Go for it. <laughs> he said, uh, He's like, I'm just, he, I, now I'm going to butcher it, because that one I remembered verbatim, but this was, he said like, uh, Marley Madeline, you won an Academy Award? I thought it was at the Special Olympics or something like that. And she did like, but she was really, it, that was the Trump roast. 
And Marley Matlin was great at selling the jokes. The, the big thing with the roast, Rob, is like if you get destroyed, just like sell like you're having a great time, right? Right. So Donald Trump is sitting there. And when you rip Trump, he literally kept the scowl on his face the whole time. Yeah. He, he didn't laugh one time. Right. So Trump really, you know, you just got to sell it. Sell like you're, you know, enjoying it, even if they're like saying the most horrible things possible about you. Mm-hmm. All right. So we end up then with Kramer and Jerry and Jerry is explaining the whole thing to Kramer. Kramer really misses an opportunity to do an entrance this week. He doesn't get an ovation or an entrance. Well, Johnny DeSilvera said last week that they, they cut it out, that, that uh, Larry dressed down the audience and said no more ovation. So we'll see if we ever have another <laughs> oh. All right. So Kramer introduces here that he knows how to sign and it's debatable throughout the episode just how much sign language Kramer knows. Uh yeah, it's uh he's he's not not really uh not really great. And also they do give him when he does sign language they give him like the mini ovation which I guess was like the audience like, "Oh, we'll show you." LD. <laughs> like, you don't let us cheer. We're going to cheer at the smallest thing Kramer does. Yeah. So Elaine comes in and she finds out that Jerry just met a deaf woman. And we have a real good get out over, I can't believe it. You met a deaf person. I just said I was a deaf person. Yeah. And I, I do like Elaine now that she's like distraught about uh, the whole deaf thing. I love her reasons for why she's a good person. Here. Yeah, she has a couple good ones. So one, she never throws things at squirrels. She says to squirrels, you squirrel shoe, get out of here, you. Okay, that's reasonable. She never stares at freaks. She always makes sure not to directly look away from the freaks, but she's trying to make the freaks feel comfortable. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if calling them freaks is really the right word, but oh, uh, I'm 100% sure <laughs> that is not the right thing to say. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. That's, uh, you know, a half a point for Elaine. <laughs> she doesn't poof up her hair when she goes to the movies so people behind her can see. Yeah, she's like five feet tall. No one is not being able to see behind her. Okay. So what do you think? That's like the three things she can come come up with with why she's a good person. I love it. Yes. Yes. So Elaine wants to do something nice for him. Kramer has a friend who gets tickets for people, Pete. And so maybe she'll get tickets from Pete for something. I wonder if this is the same friend that Slippery Pete later in the series. Oh, maybe. I mean, would you do that if you were like, oh, I want to do something nice for somebody and Kramer's like, oh, I know a guy. Would that be your first instinct? Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird. First of all, it would be like hard to get this guy's information even. Right. I mean, they end up sending him tickets to a Metallica concert. I mean, he does look a little bit like he's in the demo. Like people do like Metallica. I guess so. But this is kind of like a random thing. I don't you don't even know if what date is good for people. Like, okay, yeah, here, yeah. just two tickets to Metallica. It it didn't it didn't used to work like that. People, Rob, used to be excited when you gave them something. Now we're all, you know, we're all like uh we have everything we want and we're 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 not that kind of society anymore. <laughs> back then back then, we you know, I had, I had Jets season tickets. And if I gave someone like, you know, if I invited someone to the game or gave them two or four of our tickets. They would be like indebted to me. They would be like, oh, you know, so, so thankful. Now, now, you know, you can't give them away. Yeah. Wow. And not because not just because they're usually bad, but people are know, spoiled people, is what you're saying. People are spoiled nowadays. Okay. 
All right, so they're going to go ahead and get the tickets for Pete. Also, Kramer wants to know if Jerry can ask her how he could get one of those jobs being one of the ball boys. And Jerry says, well, you do realize the major thing you're forgetting is that you are not a boy. It's not a bull man. Yeah. (laughs) I've never seen a ball man. Yeah, I have a feeling we got some emails about that because... There's plenty of bull men at the U.S. Open nowadays. Okay. Well, yeah, it's not a kid's job. No, you definitely have to at least be 18. Okay. You think you'd be a good uh, ball boy? No, I would not be a good ball boy. Would you want to be a ball boy when you were a kid? I would not want to be a ball boy. Why not? I mean, like at a baseball game or at the U.S. Open? No, baseball game, that would be great. Yeah. Of course, everyone wants to be like the Mets one ball boy. Yeah, that would be good. But when I was was a... uh, like 16, my family has like a mutual friend with Pat Riley and, and I guess Chris Riley, his wife. Oh, wow. So they... What a, so, what a name dropper, Akiva. No, I, no I, they don't know who I am. It's like a friend of a friend of a friend. But yeah. they... But, uh, and I hate Pat Riley. Like I, as a basketball... I'm sure he's a decent person, but like as a basketball person, I hate him. Um, but they said like, <laughs> someone's like, hey, would you want to be like the Miami Heat like ball boy. I think it was summer league. I don't think it was the season. Cause like I was probably in school and stuff. Yeah. But I said, no, like I hate the Miami heat. I don't want to be there or anything. So I turned down the ball boy gig. Okay. All right. So Kramer wants to go ahead and uh, get that job. Uh, more on that to come. So Elaine mentions also that her friend saw George on TV and then Kramer. Yeah. Says that that is definitely the case. He saw it too. And he makes fun of Georgia eating the ice cream. Yeah, I don't know what the ratings for the U.S. Open were in 1993, but apparently the entire country saw this ice cream thing. Like now it would have been a gif uh, or or, or you would, I think, call it a gif. (laughs) And, um, you know, it would be a meme and everyone would would see it. or other people would. Don't you call it a gif? I I try to do what's correct. I think gif is correct. Okay. The guy who who invented it, I think, likes, likes gif. Okay. I think now, now maybe I'm mixing them up, but anyway, I think it was the other way. I think that the guy who invented, Oh, it maybe yeah. Like, now I'm, now I'm confused, yeah. but I think, uh, it would be like a meme and everyone would, 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 you know, it would be like when you're, you know, when yeah. your job fired you and it would be like a picture of George. Or, Certainly it would be on YouTube. Would it would be on YouTube, but I feel like it would, it would be all over like Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, I think so. And so more people, George is lucky he went to the 1993 U.S. Open and had a banana split. Thank God for hammer time. (laughs) Anyway, so we see George in the diner with the woman and Gwen is her name and she's breaking up with George. She gives him the, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, really a classic famous uh, Seinfeld thing here. Yes. George says, how could it be you? That's my bit. That's my routine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if George invented it, but I feel like Seinfeld certainly popularized that here. Yes. And so it's definitely it's come up before in the series, right? It, it comes up again, certainly. But no, it doesn't hasn't come up before. George is at the coffee shop with Gwen and she's giving him the it's not you. It's me. And George is gassed that this is something that somebody would say to him because that is his line. I invented that. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> And so finally, he berates her to the point that she finally relents and says, fine, it is you. It was you, not me. But she doesn't tell him why. She won't tell him why. And so George is really fixated on this. And so he ends up telling her, you're damn right, it's me. 
And he ends up saying to her, like, I know what you were trying to do, but nobody does it better than me. You'll never get to find out exactly how good I can do it. And uh, he just ends up looking very confused by the end of, like, that he's bragging about <laughs> what's wrong with him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's curious, but who knows if he'll ever find out what's wrong. Okay. So George and Jerry are back at the apartment. And so George is explaining the whole thing about how she tried to do It's Not You, It's Me to him and that obviously isn't the case kramer mentions about how the announcers were making fun of him for eating the ice cream and the light bulb goes off oh that must be it yeah and it is funny uh george gets uh you know he gets seen on tv and just like how many people saw it i mean i guess as someone who's been on television i like the idea of like uh like you were on tv not like in the background of a show so it's a bad example but like if you're on, let's say, oh, so back in the day, like you're on Regis or something, do you okay. get like how many people tell you? And you could probably also tell like how popular these things are based on like how many people say like, oh, I saw you on Letterman or I saw you on Regis or I saw you on whatever, right? Uh, yeah. So I'm saying like you can tell like I, you know, it's like I, and I'm obviously on a much smaller scale, like I always think like uh, I was in, you know, if my name was on TV a few times in the credits, nobody ever said once. Oh, Akiva, I saw your name on the credits on NBC because nobody reads the credits, right? Yeah, I guess but so. Like, but I asked, I asked a question to Bill Simmons, I guess a bunch of times, but one time ever I got in and I didn't, it just said Akiva. It didn't even say like my last name or anything. Or you're sitting. And I got like 24 emails the next day saying like, oh my gosh, you know, you were in the Bill Simmons mailbag. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just funny. I like things. But apparently the most popular thing you can do is be on TV during the daytime portion of the U.S. Open. Sure, sure. This was huge. Now, do you think this is the actual reason that Gwen broke up with George? It's a good question, right? Like, we never get to the answer, the bottom of it, so I, you'd have to say yes. But, uh, you know, I guess they could have... It would have been funny if it wasn't the reason, right? If she, like, yelled at the end, like, I didn't break up with you because of that. I broke up because of, you know, whatever. And it was like, you never hear what I say. I don't know. Something, like, ties the episode in. But yeah. uh, we don't know. I guess it's uh, TBD. We'll ask Jerry. Because it feels like it should have been something that, like, I don't know why it's such a big mystery to George. If it's completely out of the blue, but everybody saw this and everybody's talking about it, it seems like he should be 99% certain that it was because of the ice cream. It's a good point. I feel like there should have been more mystery. Like, obviously, they just want this hook to bring us to, like, the climactic scene at the party. But, Mm -hmm. right, like, when you say it like that, it actually makes sense. Like, there's no real mystery surrounding this. Like, I feel like if he could have just called her and asked her if she wanted to go out and get ice cream, I think that her reaction to that would probably be very telling in terms of, like, haven't you had enough ice cream? Right, yeah. That seems like something George would do. (laughs) He's like, ice cream? Why do you, why ice cream? What are you talking about? Like, oh. That's, oh, that's a lot like something that happens in a few episodes with the lobster also, though. Yeah. Okay, so maybe they didn't want to spoil that. Well, they haven't written that episode yet. It doesn't exist. <laughs> All right, but we're thinking like them. Yeah, we are. We, they, but yeah, they, they certainly do go back to that well. So George is saying maybe Gwen saw it and Kramer tells him how it wasn't a pretty sight. Um, would she be that superficial, though? George says he would be. Would George break up with a woman who got caught eating an ice cream sundae on television? Of course he would. But... I mean, I mean, he wouldn't break up with any woman, but if he was on the fence, he'd break up with her. But we don't know enough about Gwen to know if she's superficial enough to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, she's the only thing we know God. is she likes to sweep with people. <laughs> yeah. I guess appearances are important to her. She's going to sweep. sweep uh, yeah, she's very into uh, yeah. cleanliness. Yes. And so 
Elaine comes in. She wants to know if anybody taped it. Uh, did that make you chuckle that somebody would have to tape the U.S. Open to see that? <laughs> Taping the U.S. Open. That's like <laughs> the most 90s thing ever. Like, oh, don't tell me I taped the U.S. Open. I'm going to watch all seven hours of, of, uh, of tennis today. <laughs> okay. So Elaine wants to know if George is still going to Todd's party. Because Gwen is obviously going to be there. Like, again, Todd, Gwen, everybody's just in the loop on all these people. Yeah, everybody knows everybody, even though we never see them again. Yeah. Jerry says Gwen shouldn't go. As the person who broke up with the other person, she should stay home from the party. Elaine sees it differently. She says that she is the victor. She is the breakupper. And to the victor go the spoils. George should have to automatically not go to Todd's party. I think the answer is who's closer with Todd, right? <laughs> Which appears to be Gwen. I mean, did Todd set them up? How is this possible that this is such a King Solomon type situation where they're both dying to go to this party? Would King Solomon recommend that they neither go to the party or that they each go to half the party, by the way? I think that he would say <laughs> they, they will cut the party in half down the middle and Georgia stay on one side and she has to stay on the other side. Okay. Yes. And it'll be a problem if, like, the bathroom is on the other side. You think there's only one bathroom in Todd's house? If so, like, I really don't know why they're friends with him. Yeah. And so, also in this scene, Jerry's phone rings and his dad calls. He has, like, the shortest conversation ever with his dad. He's on the phone with his dad for literally, like, 12 seconds. Yeah, that was George. Okay, bye. <laughs> nice way to save money, uh, Seinfeld, by not showing, like, the split screen, you know, getting getting his dad in there for, like, 20 seconds. <laughs> Yes, you saw it too. You could have said anybody. It could have been like the president of the United States could have been on the phone. Yeah. And so then we ended up with deciding that they have to take the car service to the party. Ultimately, the car service gag, while it's just, you know, a funny slight moment of that the guy now can't hear that well, it really doesn't impact the story at all that they took the car service and then they got let, dropped off. Like other than, oh, you're late for the party. No, it's just giving Elaine that like C storyline. Yeah. Um, but again, I do. I like it in the sense that they're really probably this episode more than any other episode so far. They're working very hard to tie everything together. So we see now at the Chinese restaurant, Jerry and George and Laura are there. And we're starting to get where she's Laura is saying that people are breaking up. She's able to read their lips and she's telling them what the people are saying at the other table, which is funny that at the table, they're saying, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, I think this is a really good scene. Yeah, very well done. And so we end up seeing that George realizes, oh, I could take Laura to the party and then she could lip read what Gwen is saying and then I'll know why she broke up with me. But as they're doing it, Jerry and George proceed to come up with all these different ways to sort of hide their mouth from each other so that they can have this conversation seemingly without Laura hearing anything. Yeah, they're talking into napkins, they're stretching, they're yawning. Yeah. And so as they're doing that, they continue to like, they're scratching and doing all these things. And then it's about like, they're going to ask her the question as if she hasn't heard all that. And immediately she says, oh, okay, sure, I'll do it. Yeah, it's a good line. Yeah. By the way, another weird Marley Matlin factoid from, did you watch the inside look? Yes. <laughs> Marley, at the very end, I think it was Tom Charonis, the director of most of these episodes. Uh, at the very end of the inside look, just very casually mentions, like he, he's talking about like how great Marley Madeline is like, yeah, and she mooned the, the crew. Oh, wow. Well, like, what? I need more information on this. 
Julia Louis Dreyfus, I believe, also said something about how the guys all loved her on the on the crew, which I thought was sort of like an odd thing. Like, was Marley Matlin like a big flirt with everybody? Now we know why they liked her. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I also really like the line that Jerry has where he says to George, like, George, she's not a novelty act that you rent out for weddings and bar mitzvahs. Yeah, it, everyone is really, you know, I mean, it's par for the course with the, with the gang, but they're really uh, not very sensitive to the, uh, it, there was no controversy surrounding this episode, uh, as far as I know. I don't think, I, th- I think it treats, uh, you know, she is not the, you know, she is not the butt of the joke at all. But, uh, you know, the gang does not treat the deaf community with the utmost respect. So we end up seeing Jerry with Laura. It's also weird that George was such a come with guy on this date. He was like, it was like he had nothing to do. And so he was just like, hey, what are you doing? It was an awkward, like little 10 second scene where they're like, oh, but I I think one of the things we've learned, uh, Rob, doing like almost half the series so far is like half half of it is like, how can we get Jerry, George and person X in the same room at the same time? Right. Yeah. It was just like he had nothing to do. There you go. So we ended up then with Jerry and Laura in the car after dinner, and she's going to go with them to the party, and the car service is going to pick them up, and Jerry says to her, what about six? And she is, like, confused. He's like, yeah, six. Like, uh, six, six is good, right? But apparently she thought he's saying, what about sex? He could have just said, like, what about 615, and she probably would have uh, realized. Yeah. Now, this goes the wrong way. Oh, but... this could have been the happiest accident of all time. <laughs> <laughs> this could have, I mean, I don't know if this should have been his pickup line at the U.S. Open, but. Imagine it goes the other way. Wow. <laughs> I, I, in tennis lingo, this could have been an ace. <laughs> <laughs> what a pickup line. Um. I wonder if uh, this would be something that would be, uh, you couldn't get away with today. I think you could probably. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. I also feel like for whatever reason, I feel like the deaf community has more of a sense of humor about themselves than maybe some other communities. I don't know if that's true, but it's just I, my impression. I guess the line is, I guess if it was cool with Marley Matlin, uh, I guess. With sure. Yeah. Like she is literally right. Probably the most prominent or one of the most prominent deaf people in the whole country. So if she's going along with it and you know, she's not going to do anything that makes her uncomfortable. Yeah. Then I think, you know, she's putting a rubber stamp on it. It's fine. So very quickly in the next scene, I mean, they don't even like let there be a second to fallout on this. And this really isn't a plot point at all, other than that. There's maybe some confusion in her lip reading. Cause the next time we see Jerry, he's going to talk about how it was all a misunderstanding. But before that, we go to Kramer with the ball boys. What do you think of Kramer with these kids? I mean, he really schools them. <laughs> this is not like karate. This is the Kramer is like legitimately a good ball boy. Well, there's this one punk that's like, hey, pops, isn't there a better way to spend your twilight years? He's a, this guy straight out of like rejected from like Karate Kid 4 casting. Yeah. And Kramer says to them, I may be old, but I'm spry. He is spry. He's really like sometimes it seems like he's on the court a little too fast. Like the point might still be in play. Yeah. But uh, he's really good at getting these balls. So he's going back and forth. He's calling the kids punks and nobody can keep up with Kramer. Yeah, he he gets the gig. All right. So we see Jerry and Kramer back in Jerry's apartment and Jerry's talking about whole, the whole thing six with sex. And so it's all a misunderstanding. And George is a little bit like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is our lip reader who's making these kind of mistakes. I do like Jerry's line here. 
<laughs> where he's like, well, this is the only deaf woman I'm dating, so you don't have another option for, you know, a lip reader. <laughs> but then George is very, like, very quickly like, wow, I can't believe we have this power in our hands. It could be like, you know, having like a Superman that we could harness this power. And then at this point, Newman comes in. By the way, can you think of a scenario where you would like want to use this lip reader, even if they were like game to do this? No. Like, and neither can I. <laughs> Like the only reason people are talking about you is because you're like a bad person to begin with. I mean, I for George, I understand it's just, uh, you know, yeah, he just did something embarrassing. But like, who cares? I don't. I, there's no one who I want to like whose lips I need read. I feel like maybe if you like worked in like one of these offices that have like a big open space, I think that maybe I don't know. Maybe you could come. I feel up like with you, like I if only people were talking about you. You know what I mean? Right. Right. If only people cared that much. Like, what do I need to know? What, what my I guess wife maybe is a saying about now me? Now it's like, yeah, the modern the modern equivalent is like checking someone's email or something. I guess so. <laughs> so the modern equivalent of reading somebody's lips is checking their email. Yeah, like, oh, I wonder what like their G chats about me say. <laughs> I wonder what they're saying about me. Like, if you could read one person's G chats about you, like, it's almost like if you had somebody who was like could tell by like what keystrokes they were putting in their phone what they're texting yeah. about you. Yeah, I wonder if someone can, if someone can do that. Yeah, or if somebody had like amazing vision that they could see somebody's phone from really far away. Like, oh, what are they looking at? What are they looking at? That would be probably more useful than lip reading. That's like the worst thing you could do to somebody in 2015. No, like read their phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like my one of my like daughters will like uh, will pick up like one of their uncle's phones or somebody you know just somebody's phone and like. You'll, I've never seen anybody recoil faster, you know? Yeah. Why? What's like, on that phone? They open up the first picture. It's like they, they jump on it like it's a grenade about to explode. No. Yeah. No, it's in all these phones, but people uh, do not, are, are not really happy to share their uh, their phones. Yeah, they want the phones too. So Newman wants to borrow the lip reader because he wants to spy on his boss with the lip reading. And I would have to say to this point, I feel like this is the most pathological Newman that we've seen. Yeah, this is Newman's heel turn. This is like the start of his heel turn. Yeah, because they tell him no, and he like turns to them, says, uh, "All right, all right, go you, go ahead, you keep it a secret, but you remember this: when you control the mail, you control information." <laughs> it's like a little over the top here, Newman. Like, oh, right. like a hundred percent. He wouldn't lend top. you his girlfriend for two hours for her disability. Like, calm down, buddy. Yeah. So we end up going back to the three guys in the back of the car and the driver. Now he can't hear because he was right next to the speaker at Metallica. Second Metallica reference. Yes. Uh, the, by the way, like Elaine, this is sort of swept over, but like Elaine, who's bragging about what a great person she is. First, she's pretending to be deaf to get out of like a very small talky conversation. Uh, and now she's using her, corp- her corporate car to like take three of her friends. She's not even in the car yet. To some party in the middle of who knows where. Yeah. This guy could really get her fired if he wanted. Sure. That would be much better revenge than just kicking these guys out. Oh, much better revenge. You should have taken them, should have taken them to the party and been like, uh, that'll be $5,000, please. Mm. So the guy can't hear and there's a little bit of business about going to Metallica and they stop and pick up Elaine and he sees Elaine and he just makes them all get out. Uh, Yeah. I mean, this cab driver, you know, like, what I feel like he could get in trouble for this at his job also. Like I didn't take the fare uh, because they pretended to be deaf uh, one time ago. Yeah. And so we end up seeing now everybody at the party and they're late. But again, no, nothing comes out of it. The fact that they were late 
And so Kramer is trying to sign with Laura and she's like signing to him and Kramer's like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Which is kind of Yeah, funny. I really, it would be funny if Kramer was like great at signing and Laura really didn't know yeah. what she's talking about, but I'm going to side with Laura here. Okay, so here comes the aforementioned Todd and he comes over. Again, this is like a weird person that they're friends with. I mean, he seems like, I don't know, he's like older than they are. I don't know what's going on. It's 5'4". Yeah. And Todd comes over and he's like, oh, yeah, I heard about you and Gwen. He's like, just so you know, uh, I can't tell you anything that Gwen says. You guys are both my friends and I can't tell you what she says about you. I get the impression that Todd would definitely tell Gwen anything that George said about her. Yeah, I don't think uh, Todd is in George's alliance here. Yeah, I think so. Is Todd trying to get with Gwen? I mean, I, you know, who knows what sweeping leads to? Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to be the last two people home after the, like, in the house after the party. Like, he definitely, he's definitely trying to, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Anyway, so we end up with then George telling Todd that, oh, don't worry about me. I'll just stand all the way over here so you can talk to Gwen in private. And he's like, you're really mature. Yeah. Anyway, so very quickly, Gwen comes in and so... We start off now our lip reading plan is in motion where we have on one side of the room, Laura, and she is signing back to Kramer, who is passing it along. Now, Akiva, talk me through what is the breakdown here in communication? Is it that we have our lip reader who's unreliable, who thinks six is sex? Or is it that Kramer is unreliable at interpreting what she is signing to him. Where is the problem? Where is the breakdown in communication? I think Kramer's not great, but I, I, I think the, the ultimate error lies uh, with, with uh, Laura and not with Kramer. Okay. So you think I that think. Kramer was fine and Laura's the issue? Yeah, because lip reading is really hard. Yeah. Like harder than signing. So I, I think like, again, I don't know the different signs for sleep and sweep, but that seems like a mistake that would be made at the lip reading level and not the signing level, right? I can't imagine those words are, you know, would be mixed up for each other so easily. I agree. But based on the mistakes that are made in this episode, and the problem is that it's confusing because we see Laura, she is unable to tell when Jerry is saying six instead of sex, but also Kramer appears to not actually know sign language. So you would feel like it would be more likely that the problem is on Kramer's end. Right. Right, but then it wouldn't explain the miss the mishap. I think we need a sign language expert on the podcast yes, here. Like, is Kramer not. even doing any sign language that's real? I would want to know. Right, because the first line that Kramer tells them, there's no chance that Todd says to Gwen, "I like carrots, but I don't like carrot soup, <laughs> and I like peas, but I don't like pea soup." There's no chance that they're having that conversation. <laughs> I never thought about that. I thought it was just like a classic party small talk thing. But like, I think you're right. Oh, like, Gwen, how, how they are got you? There in, in, that, in one second. <laughs> I mean, are they serving carrot soup at the party? No, she says you've got something between your teeth. Yes, okay, And then fine. says, okay, it's a carrot. And then it's, oh, I love carrots, but I hate carrot soup. This is like a party anecdote. He had this one chambered and ready to go. <laughs> this is his A material, Rob. I don't know. I'm not buying that. We, need, we really need to go to the videotape here. <laughs> we need to check this out. Okay. So <laughs> it's funny. Like we can't hear them when they're having that part of the conversation, but then we do hear them when there's the miscommunication. One of yeah, your favorite sn- things. 
<laughs> yeah, sneaky editing. Yeah. All right. So then he's talking about the party and how maybe you could stick around after everybody leaves and we could sweep together. And, and by the way, this is like a really big ask of somebody, right? Like everyone wants to leave the parties early. Not only do you have to be the last person there, but you have to clean up afterwards. Like yeah. they must be really good friends. This is like uh, asking yeah. a, little, a lot of somebody. But let me just say in defense of George, Todd saying to Gwen, hey, why don't you stick around later and after the party we could sweep together is 100% meaning, why don't you stick around after the party so we can sleep together? Like there yeah, is- George isn't wrong here. They're just the whole different. thing escalates so quickly. Right. George really, he could have caught them if, uh, you know, if they just didn't bust themselves so early on in the, uh, in the lip reading. Like, why don't you stay after the party so we can sweep together is the Netflix and chill of party cleanup. Oh boy. <laughs> I didn't know Rob was so, uh, you were on fleek that, that I wasn't much. sure that you were on fleek. Let, Rob, I know all the lingo. <laughs> I'm up, I'm up on, I'm up on with, with, uh, my, my, my wife's grandmother comes, uh, she's coming for the, uh, the Jewish holidays yes. uh, tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I teach her like last time I had my daughters, we taught her like all the, like sort of like uh, those types of words. So like she could use like on fleek correctly in a sentence now. Mm-hmm. She's 89 or 87 or something. Yeah. We, I forget what else we taught her, but like we taught her all the good stuff. It was, it was very funny. <laughs> so George comes over and he's like, Hey, I heard what you said. Like uh, I heard the whole thing. You said you want to sleep together. She's like, no, I said sweep together. We could sweep together. Obey was the other one. We taught her bay. <laughs> yes. Well, that's a good one. Um, anyway, now here's Gwen says, no, I didn't. I said, sweep together. Let's sweep together. Now I will give Todd the pass here that it is Gwen who's saying sweep when it was Todd who said we should sweep together before. Well, no, uh, oh, right, right. But Gwen, oh, Gwen said it was going to be a mess and Todd's Todd said, we'll sweep together. Let me give you the breakdown. So Gwen said, I don't envy you, Todd. This place is going to be a mess. And Todd said, maybe you can stick around if everybody leaves and we could sweep together. And then we see Kramer say, you want me to sleep with you? Uh, which I guess would probably be the Gwen line. Right. She would say, you want me to sweep with you? Yeah. And Todd said, I don't want to sweep alone. Which again is 100%. <laughs> oh, these, aren't, the, this, these are just euphemisms. I don't want to watch Netflix by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I uh, what's what's Hulu by the way is there like a Hulu and chill or no <laughs> they need to we need to work on that there's no you know there's no Seinfeld on Netflix yeah I think that uh, maybe between the Seinfeld connection with Hulu that there's some sort of like master of my domain and Hulu sort of thing that they can come up with if someone could come up with a clever one let us know <laughs> like uh, don't come in here I'm watching Hulu <laughs> like uh, what are you doing tonight, Rob? Uh, I'm just going to go back to my home and watch Hulu. So like, Hulu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh, oh, don't go on that laptop. That's the one I use just for Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> so then maybe, I don't know if that's the kind of yeah, I don't know if that branding is really, they're gonna, that's going to catch But it's on. good because that's the Seinfeld connection, a master of my domain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe uh hulu.com is my domain name. 
Oh boy, I'm the master of Hulu.com. <laughs> all right, all right. So I think that we have assigned uh, at least maybe it's going over Gwen's head, but Todd is definitely up to shenanigans here. Yeah, and it's possible that they that they're on the same page even also. It's possible, but I don't think so. I think that Todd is hitting on Gwen. I think it's going over Gwen's head. I think that he's going to, he is like a predator. He's trying to prey on vulnerable Gwen. I think that then after George leaves, it's going to be like the kind of thing where Todd is like, Gwen, can you believe that crazy lunatic? Like, uh, can you believe that guy? It's sort of like on just to talk survivor for 10 seconds. It's like when Mike Holloway was at the (laughs) auction and then he bought the letters and then Rodney was trying to vote him out anyway. And then he was going to Dan like, uh, can you believe crazy Mike? Oh, Mike is such a jerk. He tried to not let us have our letters. Can you believe that guy? And so then we're going to have where poor Gwen, you have Todd trying to take advantage of the situation. Yes. But I, I also think with Gwen, she may just be attracted to like the really short, balding, or like two paid yeah. guys. Maybe so they, this Todd is, her is really type. her type. Yeah, <laughs> but he's much more successful. He doesn't live with his parents. No, he, it, yeah. I mean, we, maybe it's his parents' house. Maybe the party is that his parents are away for the weekend. Yes, we don't know much about Todd at all. I also think with uh, with George, like since he's so diabolical, he should have brought ice cream to the party. Like, there's like five episodes that are just about like what gift do we bring to a party in mm-hmm. Seinfeld? No, sure. So like if he had brought ice cream and then like made sure Todd get, got really messy, you know, he could have avoided this whole situation. Yeah. All right. So George is really upset about this and he's confronting them. And then he goes back to uh, Kramer and Laura and starts calling them idiots, which I feel like is probably not super PC. Probably shouldn't be calling uh, Marley Matlin an idiot. No, I feel like, uh, I mean, she's one of the crew, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's not Marley's Even fault. if she got the lip reading wrong, I don't think he should be calling her an idiot. I agree. <laughs> and so, anyway, uh, then she, who who hits George in the eye? How does that happen? Marley Madeline it, does it? It's a little weird. Yeah, Marley Madeline just like swings her arm, I think, or swings maybe something in her hand. It's almost like they just and, needed a way out of the scene. And they didn't have yeah, it was like, oh, we don't know how to end the scene because it has no bearing on yeah, the just, next scene do some slapstick here. George gets poked in the eye. Cause even in the next scene, it's like, he's wearing sunglasses, but it's not like, Oh, I have to wear glasses. Cause like I poked. Right. In the right. Eye. right. And like a lot of times you'd, it would be like Kramer getting hit and then he'd flip over. Right. And then maybe what if Kramer gets the ice cream all over his face? Cause he like <laughs> flips over a couch and there's ice cream there. Yeah. Or what if, yeah, then somebody's eating ice cream and it goes all over his face. And then Gwen could say, like, uh, like, oh, there, you look You're just disgusting. Like, yeah. Get out. Right. And then we have the answer to our question. Yeah. Oh, I think we really solved this episode. Which we, it's really an unanswered uh, question, but I feel like uh, not I'm, really. I don't think either of us are going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> but anyway, so we end up going back to the U.S. Open and we see Monica Sellis in her first match. What topical uh, references here? Well, so Mon- just, just to give people... Uh, I know I've given too much tennis talk already with the whole Mary Pierce thing, but so Monica Sellis, do you know the story, Rob? Do you remember she from was 1993? by somebody, right? Yeah, so it was only a few months before this episode. Uh, she was stabbed by a crazed fan who, she was like, her and Steffi Graf were always number one and number two. And um, I guess the Steph, a big Steffi Graf fan who was like out of his mind ran onto the court and stabbed her. 
in the middle of a match so she wouldn't be like Steffi's competition anymore. And by the way, like a crazy story, like really underreported. It would be like if there was like a big Kobe Bryant fan who just like went after LeBron on the court. You know, it was really insane. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was six months before this. So the announcers say that this is Monica Seles' comeback, but she actually doesn't play again for like two years. She, she uh, like it said somewhere that like the producers tried to get Monica Seles for this scene because they just used like some stunt double and they don't show her face. Yeah. But there's no, you were not getting Monica Seles in the fall yeah. of 93. You know, she was, you know, probably not doing any sort of public things until late 94, at least, because she didn't come back to tennis till 95. Yeah. Now they hurried the return, the comeback. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, I mean, I'm surprised they even used her just because it's like, it wasn't, you know, it was like such a serious thing when it happened. It was, you know, like she almost died on the court and they're like using her. But I guess there aren't enough famous players to like for her to run into. Yeah, I guess it would have had to. Why not Steffi Graf, though? That's a good question for, for Jerry. I mean, I think it would have been maybe slightly less funny, but still just as funny if it was, you know, some other tennis player that he just ran into and, and injured. It didn't have to be the person returning back from a stabbing. Right. But there's only like, I think, uh, you know, my, my, I am a big tennis fan, but my women in the 90s, tennis, I think the only fans that are, the only players that are even famous enough are, uh, Steffi Graf, Monica Seles, and Martina Navratilova back then, to, you know, that you'd even mention. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, you want to hear a real fun fact that no one besides oh, no. me will care about? Oh, no. No, no, no. Nobody died. Nobody died. Okay. Uh, so I was looking at, like, I, I, when I went to look at, the, like, the 93 US Open to see, like, what the deal is with, you know, why they switched that fake match and added it in. There's a player in the draw. This is actually very cool. Kamiko Date, who is playing in 1993. And she's still playing now. Wow. She took f- like 15 years off or 12 years off, have like a family. And then she came back. She's not like really good, but she's like probably number 100 in the world. She's 44 and she's still playing. And she, play- she was playing as a veteran in the 1993. I think she was in the 1989 US Open even. So, okay. you know, maybe they could have used her. Yeah. Kamiko Date. Me, I-, I think she has her husband's name also now. Yeah. Kamikodate Crumb. Uh, in the running for the hashtag. <laughs> Kamiko, it's a great name. But I, I feel like I feel like uh, Master of Hulu is, is already lo- locked up the hashtag <laughs> for this episode. Okay. So we end up seeing uh, Kramer running over Monica Sellis, and uh, Jerry says uh, the great ball man experiment comes to an end. Yeah, I don't I don't think he gets back on the court after that one. No, I don't think so. By the way, uh, yes. Kramer does the uh, audition for the ball boy at some point in the middle of the U.S. Open and is now working the final of the U.S. Open days later. He was that good. I don't like, as far as I know, you know, they try them out months in advance. And even if they needed an emergency ball boy, I'm not so sure they'd start you off at the final. Like they would probably have you on like a practice court with like one of the kids playing or something. I also was trying to figure out a way to, in, in modern Seinfeld, to make it where Kramer becomes the Patriots ball boy, but I don't want to offend our <laughs> weekly show recapper Mike Moore with any uh, Patriots humor. Oh, well, I also think um, that, you know, with, you know, and the boys were reinstated today also. I yes, think so. The deflator, the deflators. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other guy's name? The deflator. And then, um, I don't know. yeah, but I, yeah, I, I guess that would be yeah. women's tennis is not ball really, man as topical maybe as it was in 1993 except you know it's really a one-person sport basically it's just <laughs> serena williams 
<laughs> all right. And then uh, at the end of the episode, this all ties together really great because uh, we have the cab driver or the town car driver. And then we have where uh, Laura gets in the car and he starts talking to her. And she's like, oh, I'm deaf. And then uh, cut to credits. I do like that there's one driver in all of Manhattan. <laughs> yes. Like, if you tried to take a cab, I guess if, it's this, if you were you, everyone was using the same company, fine. But if you tried to get the same cab driver twice ever in the yeah. city, even like getting picked up from the same spot, I feel like you could never do it. Yeah. So overall, really well done. Uh, enjoyed the uh, lip reader. Where did you rank it, Akiva? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's any transcendent moments, but it is a really fun episode. Um, so I have the lip reader at 61. 61. That's not bad. No, not bad. It's a, it's a good episode. Certainly, it's really good the first time you watch it when you have Marley Matten say, like, sure, I'll do it. The whole fight. I feel like I've seen this episode more than any other episode for some reason. Oh, wow. You know what? Actually, the, the uh, answering machine episode, the voice, uh, <laughs> the, the phone message, I think for some reason that's always on. Yeah. But uh, this is up there with, uh, with that one. Okay. All right. So uh, good stuff there with the lip reader. I feel like just anything else from 2015, if we we're going to update this, would they be uh, taking an Uber instead of the town car? Uh, quick correction. Uh, the airport was 61. I have the lip reader. Uh, what, at number happened? 60. what happened? What happened? It just got a little better. I have it at number 60 overall. Wait, did you just say sexed me? Uh, did yes. I hear you? Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> Oh, 60, 60. You're not a, you can't read lips over a podcast. By the way, <laughs> since Rob, since I didn't do my uh, Seinfeld tweet of the week. Yes. Uh, and had a few contenders, but this one, although not directly Seinfeld related, just came across my screen an hour or two ago and is really uh, maybe appropriate for this episode. It's from at uh, Jewerstein. And he says, uh, jealous of deaf people because friends never tell them to listen to their podcasts. Yes. All right, I feel like that's uh, here. I'll give you a Seinfeld one also. Okay. The Cleveland Indians. I don't know why the Cleveland Indians as a as a organization have opinions on things. <laughs> but someone asked them Seinfeld or friend or friends and the Cleveland Indians responded, "You obviously don't follow us very closely. Seinfeld by like 5 miles." Wow. I, I guess that is that a entire franchise opinion? I don't know like the social media people now can speak for Was the whole organization. The Cleveland Indians or the cigar store Indians? Yeah, that's coming up in about three weeks. This okay. All right. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of uh, Seinfeld and baseball uh, crossover. Maybe it was the Keith Hernandez thing. It could be, but I also feel like I'm not sure why organization, like I'm not a Friends fan, but like why are the Indians, you know, like why do you have an opinion on that? <laughs> I don't know. Like stick, stick, stay in your lane. Tell me about Jason Kipnis guy on the <laughs> social media team. Tell me why he only has eight home runs for my fantasy team. Don't tell me about Seinfeld. Okay. All right. So, uh, Akiva, you ready to get into our emails? Let's do it. All right. Of course, uh, we get our emails every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. And uh, we love to hear from you guys, especially when you send us emails about the episode that we're talking about. Johnny Silvera. He wants to know just a couple of questions uh, from Johnny. Is, uh, Rob, feel free to answer this uh, too, but Akiva, what's the best method of transportation you find to get around New York? Is it a taxi, car service, bicycle, subway? You doing the city bike, Akiva? Uh, I don't know if we've discussed this, but I don't know how to ride a bike. Oh. <laughs> did you f- learn and did you forget? Uh, I learned and then I immediately never did. It was one of the things that were the only time I ever rode a bike was when I was being taught how to ride a bike. Yes. And then I just never sort of continued. So I don't know how to do it. Okay. 
So I'm going to say not bike. Okay. I think, um, I mean, ideally you like to take cabs or car services, right? Yeah, I think that if the car, if you don't have to park it, I don't think it's necessarily the driving that's the bad part. I feel like it's the parking that's the major Yeah, parking problem. is a nightmare. I don't mind the subway, but it gets really gross uh, in the summer because even if the, the cars are, are air-conditioned, when you go down into the subway and you're waiting for a, for a train for like seven minutes, you become like a monster. Mm. Like I had a, a meeting when I was in New York and I went down the subway just for like one stop. And I literally like was I needed a shower. Like I, I was thinking, like, should I like rent a hotel for like 10 minutes and take a shower before I go to this meeting? Like I was disgusted because you're just sitting there like underground in like 100 degree heat. Uh, I'd say in the summer you try and cab it. Yeah. All right. Here's a question from Tom uh, who writes to us as uh, as our medical correspondent wants to weigh in on the Bob Sacamano debate. This just, will never die. Bob Sacamano. Yes. Uh, Tom says in the episode, the wizard, there's a deleted scene where Jerry meets with Bob Sacramento's mute father, whether or not deleted scenes are canon and what weight this places on the myth of Bob is open for debate. I mean, it's a deleted scene. (laughs) We got to wait till we get to the wizard, I guess. Yeah, that's going to be a while. Also, as our medical correspondent, he feels like it's his duty to discuss the pig man plot from last week's episode. But yeah. he's sworn to secrecy, so he cannot. Oh, who do they have HIPAA laws in Australia, Tom? It would be funny if some countries like didn't. You could just like discuss whatever you wanted about. <laughs> yeah, but we're in the U.S. I, we are, but are we subject to Australian laws on Australian like medical things? I don't think so. No. All right, Amir says, question number one. George is worried that Jerry, by walking up and having the confidence to ask a woman out, will be going to the other side away from what's considered normal guy behavior. Haven't we clearly established that Jerry's already there? He picked up a woman at the gym, on airplanes, in an elevator. Hasn't Jerry already left George behind years ago? It's a good point. Yeah, this is absurd that George thinks of himself in the same league as Jerry, right? Jerry's like a good-looking, successful celebrity. Uh, Jerry, like, not only can pick up women, but gets hit on, gets hit on by women, like for George to think that they're on the same team right now is a little bit laughable. Okay. We also had another question from Amir who says in what New York city alternate reality universe, is it normal to keep randomly bumping into the same car service driver over and over again? There are literally thousands of them. The idea of this guy keeps showing up whenever a car is called is ludicrous. Oh, Amir is really, uh, he's fired up. Listen, <laughs> but night. I agree. I, I, um, the, the only time I've ever had a car service was when I was working the Olympics and it was late at night. So like they, they had to send me a car cause they didn't want me like driving or taking a train at like two 30 in the morning. Cause we're, it was on London time. We're working really early mm-hmm. and they showed up at my, at my uh, house every single day for, you know, 23 or 24 days. I never in same, same little company. So it wasn't like calling a yellow cab, uh, same, same exact time every day, never had the same driver twice. In like 23 or 24 days. So the idea that they would have the same driver is insane. Yeah. Okay. Plot hole. We'll mention it to Jerry. Yeah. It's got to come up. So let's go to Chester to close it out. He says, Elaine doesn't stare at freaks, but LD loves them so much. He bought a freak book. Uh, It would have been great if Elaine had been at Ted Danson's party so that she could have called back to this, but that would involve Larry remembering something random from Seinfeld, which hasn't been the case. Won't, it's something that's not going to exist from Curb in uh, 24 years. 
Mondo freaks, I think. Yes. And then also speaking of Curb, uh, George trying to claim he invented It's Not You, It's Me is more far-fetched than Richard Lewis trying to claim he invented uh, The Blank from Hell. Yeah. Oh, all these all these Curb references. Jester with a deep Jester. dive into uh, Curb enthusiasm today. Oh, he's still going to be sending those emails if we do Curb after this. I feel like. <laughs> is, that the, is the Ted Danson party he mentioned the same party with Colby and the I'm a Survivor? I don't I remember. Think so. I don't think so. I don't, yeah, I, I feel like that was much earlier in the series. And finally, Chester says, there are ball men. And in fact, the U.S. Open ball boys are older than Kramer. He has a friend. This is like the uh, Bob Sacamano of Chester. Has a friend who's a U.S. Open ball man. Though he's been doing it since he was in college. Maybe he started as a ball boy and got promoted. Is it ball man or is it ballman? <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's a ball person because I believe there are women also. Of course. Well, believe. I mean, you know, we, we certainly, uh, you know. There's got to be, I, I feel like it's at least half is women. Yeah. Okay. I did like, I, I, when I, I used to go to the U S open a lot, not just sneaking in that one time. And I remember someone, I think I struck up a conversation with one of them and they were saying like, they're ranked on how good they are. So like the really good ones get, you know, like the Roger Federer match and like on the main court and the bad ones are stuck in the back where like, you know, my high school tennis team used to play. So <laughs> but you sneak in <laughs> where, or where, yeah, where I would sneak in. I, I think, I, you know, I would, I would like, be upset if I was like, uh, you know, doing one of these backcourt matches. I would want to be one of the best ballmen. Okay. We said earlier in the episode that the hashtag was going to be hashtag master of Hulu. Master of Hulu. Let's see if we can get that going. Yeah, if somebody has a better catchphrase like with Hulu in it, we're all ears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you prefer that to, uh, I'm just going to go home in Hulu. Go home in Hulu. That's good. You don't like Kamiko Date? <laughs> I have, what's not to like? I love Kamiko Date. Who doesn't? Who yeah. wouldn't love someone who loved Kamiko Date? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Akiva, are you ready to hear our five-star review of the week? Oh, I'm excited we have one. Sure. Okay. Well, yeah. Too bad we didn't get one. <laughs> no review for you. Well, we got a lot last week. So it's asking a lot of the audience to do another one this week. Yes. Okay. So, unfortunately, we did not get a new review. So, if you want to help us uh, break our slump, you can go ahead and leave us a review at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. We're still sitting on 100 reviews. If you want to be the slump buster. Slump buster. Help us out of our slump. Postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. All right. Great show this week, Akiba. What are we doing next week? Oh, I love next week's episode. What is it? We got we got the non-fat yogurt. Non-fat yogurt. All a lot right. of cursing. Don't don't listen around. I don't know if we'll be doing a lot of cursing, but don't you know? Don't watch the episode with. I guess it's bleeped. You could watch it with kids. Who cares? Akiva, can you book David Dinkins for the podcast next week? Should we book Dinkins and Giuliani <laughs> and then see who wins? I think just book both of them and we'll see what happens. Is Dinkins still with us? <laughs> I I think I believe so. You, know, What's he, uh, you don't hear, you really don't hear much from David Dinkins. I don't remember hearing anything about him. Uh, he's going to be 90. <laughs> so what else is he doing? He's 88. Come on, get David Dinkins. Dinky Donuts. Uh, I'm going to, I am checking if Dinkins is on Twitter. Hold on. Okay. I have to reach out to Dinkins people. All right. Reach out to the Dinkins people. Dinkins Donuts. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to find his publicist. I don't think he's on Twitter. Okay. Look, this was a, a great moment for Rudy Giuliani, too. So maybe he wants to. Uh... Oh, I just I, I Twitter searched David Dinkins. And do you know where I found him, Rob? Where? 
watching the U.S. Open. Oh, there you go. It all comes back together. The Canon Seinfeld podcast universe. All right. Akiva, great job. Uh, Thanks again to uh, Mike Moore. Hopefully we did not uh, offend him with any of our uh, very brief conversation about uh, the Patriots and uh, and Ballman. And also uh, thanks, Scott St. Pierre, for uh, editing uh, all of this nonsense uh, week after week. Great job. All right, Akiva. What are you doing on uh, 32 fans in 32 days? Oh, uh, Chester's trying to uh, right now hook me into doing uh, uh, the week two podcast. But my my big Super Bowl prediction, let me run it past you. Okay. I, I predicted uh, the Arizona Cardinals would make the Super Bowl. Okay. But they would lose. Oh, no. To the Miami Dolphins. Boy. Listen, I tried to I tried to you know throw a hot take up there. You really went out. I, I, I don't. I actually don't think the Dolphins look good in week one. Yeah, I didn't 20. think they looked that great. Sorry, Dolphins fans. But the, I'll 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 be honest with you. After watching Green Bay in Seattle, I'm I'm feeling very good about the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, played right. really well. You don't want to really uh, change it to the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals. Oh no, Rex always wins week one, and then after that, they're on their own. <laughs> All right. You give Rex Ryan three months, he figures out your offense. You give him six days, it's not as good. For more on that, check out Akiva and Chester on 32 Fans in 32 Days on iTunes. Have a good week, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.